we've had a hell of a year and you know what are we going to do moving forward to help help propel us into the future and what are we going to do to make sure that the the lessons that we learned and you know the experiences that we went through don't just get sort of filed away and shuffled into the past what can we what can we do to make sure that we are we are learning from them and we're using those lessons to benefit us all This is the Alchemized Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ava Johanna, and I am so grateful to have you here joining me for yet another soul expansive conversation. My intention with every episode is to show you through storytelling and in-depth conversations that you, yes, you are capable of creating anything you desire. Alongside yours truly, you'll hear from thought leaders and industry voices, and together we will teach you how to come alive in your authentic expression and remember the infinite power of your soul. We're covering topics like wealth, worthiness, the pursuit of your passions, and you'll be inspired to break all the rules of living an ordinary life. You were truly put on this planet to have it all. The thriving spiritual practice, the steamy relationship, the income, and the impact. So together, let's align with our divine selves and alchemize your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Alchemized Life. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. I feel like I've been waiting for this day for a while because I've just had such rad friends in my life for my entire life. And it's always such a gift to invite them on the podcast, especially when they're just like, mind-blowingly brilliant at what they do. And my next guest or my guest that I have on today is really the only reason why I'm interested in astrology and the only reason why I actually understand kind of astrology. And, you know, I've had a lot of astrologers on the podcast in the past. It's actually been quite some time since I had someone come on. And um, Lily, Liliana and Cantata, who's joining me here today, is such a genius. And we had a call or a session a couple weeks ago. And after that session, I was like, holy shit, can you please come on my podcast? And she actually just recently kind of made her astrology business more public. And so I kind of threw her into the lion's den by saying, come on on the podcast, let's do it. Um, But she just has so much yummy, exciting, juicy forecasting to share with us today. So I'm really excited to hop into the conversation. And before we do, before I welcome Lily on, I want you guys to all take time to head to the show notes because Lily is, and I actually, I'm going to keep calling you Lily because that's what I call you. Uh, We've known each other for over a decade, but Lily's doing a webinar on January 3rd that really is blending the blending the astro forecast for January and what to expect with mixing, how to figure it out for yourself. And she does such a beautiful job at blending the two together. And so I highly suggest I'm definitely going to be there signing up for this webinar. And after you listen to Lily in this entire conversation, conversation today, and then also her sharing more about the webinar, it would be very, very silly for you not to join us. So anyways, I'm going to invite her on in a sec. If you haven't already, make sure to screenshot this episode tagging the podcast at The Alchemized Life and tag Liliana. Her Instagram is at Liliana.Encantada, which is E-N-C-A-T-A-N-D-A. Did I get it right? Very close, very close. I was so close. (laughs) Well, we're going to link it in the show notes, you guys. All good. Um, I definitely do not have a, is it a visual memory where you can like see the word in your mind? 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not me. That's not me. But anyways, I love you. And I'm so excited to chat all things 2021 forecast and to just give everyone a little taste of what's to come in 2021, as well as a way to really just consciously understand what happened in the stars in 2020 so that there's some context there. There's some context to the conflict, maybe some context to the amazing things that happened as well too, uh, the individual experiences, the collective experiences, and also just where we're heading. So we got something to look forward to. So Lily, Liliana, thank you so much for joining me on The Alchemized Life. It's been a long time coming, girlfriend. Oh my gosh, I am so happy to be here. I am so happy to chat about the forecast for what's coming up in 2021 with you. Yes, yes. Okay, so before we jump into like all of the things, I want you to kind of give people a background on like your witchy astrological just history because you have always just intrigued me so much with how your depth of knowledge and the excitement that you bring to the table when you're talking about astrology and when you're talking about just like mysticism and all the things that you're interested in. And so I'm curious, like where this first started for me. I don't think I've ever asked you this question before. No, no. Um, it's a great question though. So like many of the women of the Pluto and Scorpio generation, I was like, you know, a little witch girl, you have horse girls, and then you have little girls like me who are, you know, trying to make up spells and kind of getting their hands on any little book of spells they could um, when I was a kid. But for thing, for my journey into, um, you know, this experience that eventually has led me to astrology really started um, through the uh, kind of like the goddess revival movement. Um, I consider myself like a neo-pagan. Um, and so what I was really playing around with when I was like in my late teens and uh, starting college was what we call the wheel of the year. Um, and the wheel of the year actually lays out exactly perfectly right on top of the astrological wheel, the zodiac wheel. Um, you know, astrology is very similar to something like music theory, where it's like any way you look at it, it's very interconnected and very beautiful. And it's sort of geometric, um, you know, perfection. So I was really into the wheel of the year, which um, has eight major holidays. Um, you probably already know some of them, the two equinoxes and the two solstices being like the anchor points. Um, and then there's four days in between. Um, so some of those we already celebrate like Halloween or May Day. Um, but that was kind of my introduction into really living some of these cosmic cycles and integrating sort of the wisdom of these turning cycles into my daily life. Um, and then uh, when I discovered astrology, which unsurprisingly coincides with some pretty major astrology that was happening in my life, I found out later, uh, it was just sort of this perfect click, this aha moment, this sort of being able to weave in what was going on with me personally my personal story, my personal growth to this, this greater cosmic whole. Um, and there's a real depth of sort of spiritual comfort there of knowing that you're not alone, you're guided. Um, there's all kinds of different, you know, tools and uh, gods and guides to really help you on your way. Um, and then, you know, once I kind of dove into the the deep end of the pool with astrology, then it was all over. Then it was like, that was all I wanted to study. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so cool. And for everyone listening, Lily and I met when, was I like a 20 year old shithead or how old were we? Like 20, <laughs> 19 or 20 years old. Yeah. We, it was, it was a young youthful time. That is yeah. for sure. Yeah. We had, we had lots of fun, still continue to have fun, <laughs> but I mean, and dur during that time, I mean, I think anyone can agree that those are like the angsty ages where so much of it is like, for me, I remember it's like, God, why is this happening? Is there even God, you know, like, 
just so like in my shit. And I can imagine that like, as you started exploring these different schools of thought and these different practices and these, these resources that it was incredibly just like comforting to have context there, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think that every, every layer, everything that I encountered that I discovered and, you know, another way of looking at that is everything that sort of put itself in front of me for me to discover it, um, just added another layer of connection. Everything was like, oh, this makes sense. This is connected to this. It's not, uh, it's not either or it's and, 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 you know, it's like the way I look at spirituality, the way I look at, um, you know, various different schools of thought is it's a buffet and it's all related and you can, you can connect the different, um, you know, belief systems and you connect, you can connect the different things that give you peace and give you connection. Um, and, uh, I have a question for you. Yes, the the buffet, um, brought up a visualization or like a a photo in my head. Cause I think a lot of people can overeat at that buffet. (laughs) right? Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's just eating without actually tasting, there's Mm -hmm. just sort of inhaling, um, without thinking for yourself, okay, what's actually good for me and what actually feels right. And um, I I work with this with um, clients in astrology, too, with my students and stuff, because um, there is a depth of detail to astrology, which you can kind of like get immersed in very quickly and can be very overwhelming. And it's really okay to dial it back and only only pick up what feels the most comfortable for you. You know, I see this a lot with um, students of astrology who get really into like moon cycles and, and the different signs of the moon. Um, the moon is the fastest moving object in the sky. It changes signs every two to three days and you can make yourself crazy trying to keep up with it and my favorite thing to do is just tell people you don't have to you don't have to track everything in the sky you don't have to track every you know transit and you don't have to keep up with every single piece of the forecast you can you can really let these tools be um supportive and comforting to you they don't have to be like uh you know something you you rack your brain over yeah yeah absolutely i mean that was always i think what turned me off initially to like really investing time and energy and understanding astrology was seeing some people in my life that would read their horoscope at the very beginning of the day and decide whether it was going to be a bad day or a good day and put so much, so much value and stake in like what their horoscope said in the Cosmo magazine or, you know, what the tarot card that they pulled said and like decide that that was the end all be all. And I think for me, I've never felt comfortable and I'm sure you can point to something in my in my chart that <laughs> says to why but I've never felt comfortable or seen by completely allowing my identity to be written in stone by what a certain aspect of my chart or what was happening with the moon that day. Yeah, I think that um, for a lot of people, you know, sun sign horoscopes um, are a great introduction into sort of uh, speaking the language of astrology and to sort of learning all the different, uh, the different players of the game, basically, but it doesn't feel good to be put in a box, even if that box is like, you know, cool and witchy, like it still feels containing and it still feels limiting. Um, So the first thing that I always recommend for people that have kind of had like a funky, weird, stereotypical experience of astrology is to get a real chart reading and actually open up your your birth chart and see um, the geometric shape of it, first of all, see how many different dynamics are there. And, and, look at all of the qualities that maybe don't show up just only in your sun sign. Um, but I'm glad you mentioned tarot as well, because I think that, um, you know, a lot of these different tools like tarot, like astrology, other forms of divination, 
Um, you know, you can give them a hundred percent of the choosing power if you want, you know, what am I going to do today? Am I going to, you know, make this decision for my business? Should I call this person? And then if the cards say, you know, that's a bad idea, you just don't, but it's important to remember that there's no divinatory system. There's no, um, you know, religious system that really negates our free will. And we are allowed to decide, you know, okay, what does this mean to me? How am I going to interpret this wisdom? What actions do I actually want to take? Um, and I think that, you know, when you have a healthy relationship with a lot of these spiritual tools, then uh, they provide the, you know, the starting off point for a conversation between mm. you and, um, you know, the forces that you believe are guiding you. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I remember, I think it was Amanda Francis who posted this somewhere, but she said something along the lines of, it's not the sign that you want. It's your reaction to the sign. That's going to tell you what the correct answer is for you. And I love that, that. Yeah. And that's always been like, oh yeah, that makes a lot more sense. It doesn't feel as manic to me. It feels much more embodied. Um, and it feels like a tool in strengthening my own intuition and my trust within myself as well too. Yeah. I love that. I used to do that. I would, I would flip a coin and then regardless of whether it was heads or tails, I would know by my reaction, be like, oh, I'm disappointed. It means I want to do the other thing. So there you go. You know, now I'm in tune quick, easy. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's such an easy way for people that are like, just kind of starting to dip their toes into this to start fostering a greater relationship to their like higher self. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, when you, when you consume astrological information, whether it's like on Instagram or especially with all the different apps that are available now, like you are still in conversation with uh, that astrologer, ideally in conversation with that astrologer. I don't really care for the ones that are, you know, algorithm based or um, AI based, because then you're not really in conversation with anybody. Mm. Um, and it's, it's very, uh, it's one-sided and you don't get as much out of it. Mm. Can you give an example of like algorithm based or AI based? Is that like the apps? Well, my, yeah. So there's, there's the pattern, um, okay. which uh, the pattern, I believe plays it pretty close to the chest as to where they're pulling their information from. Um, but as far as I understand it, it's a, it's a combination of astrology and human design. Mm. I mean, human design already has some of its roots in astrology as well. Um, and then uh, CoStar, I believe there are, there are real people behind that, but uh, what always makes me, uh, you know, want to sort of gently, gently guide folks to a, a more traditional um, experience of astrology is when I'll get like a screenshot of, um, first of all, I'll get a screenshot of the, so those sort of like tables, those astrological tables where they're like, this is my chart. Like, and to quote, um, you know, an astrologer that I love, Eliza Kelly, she um, is like, that's not a birth chart. A birth chart is not a table. A birth chart is a 360 degree wheel. And that's where we get the full picture of what's going on, the planets, the signs, and the houses. Um, the other thing that'll happen is I'll get a, you know, I'll get a screenshot of, you know, this is me and, and so-and-so's chart, but we have a lot of frowny faces. Like, I can't imagine anything more simple than like a smiley face or a frowny face. It's very similar to what you were saying about like, just deciding at the outset of the day, like, oh, it's going to be a bad day. Yeah. Or, oh, like, you know, anything I try today is going to fail. There's no, um, there's no astrological message that's like, this is a failure. There's mm -hmm. watch out for this. There's, this is where you can have a tool. This is an obstacle. There's, um, you know, keep this in mind. There's no uh, black or white yes or no that's going to come out. Yeah. And that's what I loved about our reading last week um, so much was that it didn't feel ominous. You know, I, 
uh, you're moving into your Saturn return as well too, right? Yep. Yeah. So oh, we're, yeah. we're Saturn returning together. We're returning <laughs> to Saturday. Saturday. I actually went and got cold stone last night, which was so good. Haven't had cold stone in so long. Mm. Oh my gosh. I have a zit on my chin already because of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we saw Saturn but, so bright in the sky. It was so cool. I was like, damn, that is, that is awesome. Um, but you know, for so long, I was like, uh Oh, Saturn return. My whole life is going to be ruined for three years. And when we had our, um, our reading together, it was so nice because I didn't feel at any point that anything that you were sharing was this like ominous type of message where like, it was going to be all doom and gloom. Like the entire time it felt like an opportunity to, as you kind of shared, have gain awareness and perspective and ask the right questions during these times to navigate whatever might come up. And I think that that's what's really cool about uh, working with someone like you versus just going on an app that's gonna tell you whether you've got a smiley face or a frown face for the day. I actually don't have CoStar, so I don't think that's how it works. (laughs) (laughs) A little too simple. Um, And I think that that really just, it opened me up to like a new way of looking at astrology that felt a lot more accessible than I had ever experienced before. Yeah, I think that if astrology has, you can sum up astrology as sort of defects in one one main word, it's stereotypes. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, and that's what puts a lot of people off from it. It's like, why would I, you know, even if this party looks cool and fun and interesting, and like maybe I can find something else about myself, because who doesn't, who isn't interested in, you know, self knowledge um, or, you know, divination, seeing what's coming in the future, um, even if that looks cool, if you know, I arrive at the party and the first thing they do is say like, okay, you're in the box. You go sit at the table for the people that are bossy and you sit at the table for people that are like detail oriented and nitpicky, nitpicky or like crybabies, you know, like why would I stay at this party? You know, yeah. no one, uh, no one likes to sort of be immediately sort of put in those containers. And I think that um, the Saturn return, uh, the Saturn return is kind of the latest Um, astrological concept to make it into pop culture. So we saw this um, more recently with Mercury retrograde. All of a sudden, everybody kind of knows what that means. Everybody kind of knows um, when it's actually happening. You see even people that don't really keep up with astrology, like, oh, is Mercury in retrograde or Mercury in Gatorade or whatever the memes are. (laughs) um, (laughs) And and now it feels like the, the sort of latest thing is people being aware of the Saturn return, but they do have that perception that it's like, you know, Saturn's coming for me and, you know, my life is going to be shook to the foundations and parts of it are going to crumble. And, um, my, my style of astrology and my readings are really balance based. So we look at, um, you know, what are the, what are the strongest parts in your chart? How can we give strength to other parts that are sort of lying dormant? Um, and when we look at the Saturn return from that perspective, so one of Saturn's many names is the Lord of time. Um, And your Saturn return is the very first time in your life where Saturn has come back to the exact place in the sky where he was when you were born. Um, And so I like to think of him as he's coming through to do a performance review. He's coming through with a checklist um, because that's, you know, Saturn's all about that and saying, okay, are you where you're, are you where you are supposed to be? And, you know, if things are going pretty good, if you're, if you're following along with your sort of like cosmic journey, then it's not going to be as much of a shakeup. If Saturn comes through and realizes, oh, you're not exactly where you're supposed to be, we've got to compress a lot of work into a short amount of time, then yes, some things are going to get sorted quickly for you, perhaps a little bit more quickly than you would 
um, you know, do it for yourself. Uh, but Saturn, Saturn doesn't care too much about your comfort zone. They care about your growth. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that for me, that like brought me a lot of just like, it brought me a lot of comfort. Cause I was like, I do feel like in specific areas of my life that I am on time and that I am on schedule and that I like kind of clean myself up to get to this place. And then of course there's other areas, areas of life where I'm like putting my seatbelt on and ready to go (laughs) for the next couple of years. But again, it comes back to that, the awareness and the perspective, which I think was super important for us to have that, uh, reading last week, because now I'm like, okay, cool. Now I know what's likely going to be challenged. And now that I have an awareness and an idea of what might be challenged, I can really start to move my feet in a direction that's going to support a strong foundation that can't be shaken to its core or broken down, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. That a strong foundation is one of Saturn's favorite things. That's what Saturn wants to see. Saturn comes and looks and sees, okay, what's going on with your house? Like, you know, what's going on, you know, in the crawl space? Is everything built correctly? And if it's not, well, you kind of have to break it down and start over. So in the end, it's to give you this, this support, um, but it can feel a little bit, um, you know, it's like an earthquake that comes, that comes through and it, you know, reduces to rubble the houses that weren't going to be able to stand the test of time so you can build something better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It reveals what is, what's built upon rock versus what's built upon sand. Yes. And, and we're going to talk a lot about sort of different, um, different types of structure. Basically there's a, there's a chain as we move from 2020 to 2021, there is a change in the energy, which is reflected in the types of structures that we see, um, being built, being supported, um, and the structures that we see kind of uh, starting to crumble. Cool. Yeah. So I know that to move into 2021, we do have to have some context of like what was happening in 2020. So, you know, I think that this will be a great way to tie a little bow on our shit sandwich (laughs) that was 2020, (laughs) just to say it like uh, lightly, but um, yeah, just coming back to like having this conscious understanding of what was happening in the stars of 2020. I mean, there was so much that came up collectively. And then I know individually as well, like there was a lot of shit I had to work through in 2020. Um, and I'm oh, so yes. grateful that I did. And I know that I'm not the only one. So I'm curious, like looking at 2020, these things that were happening astrologically, was it mostly collective stuff? Cause I mean, that's really what was shaken to the core in so many different ways, or was it a mix of individual um, individual, like excavating as well as, uh, collective. Um, yeah, so it is a combination of both. Um, the biggest thing that, um, astrologers knew was going to happen in 2020 that they were looking towards and sort of like with a wary eye, how is this going to manifest? How is this going to play out? That is something on a larger collective scale. That is maybe you've heard of it. It was a Saturn and Pluto conjunction. So Saturn and Pluto being in the exact same sign, the exact same degree. Um, and that was in, uh, that was in uh, mid January of 2020. So mm-hmm. everybody kind of, everybody who's cued into that kind of knew, you know, this is coming, it's not going to be um, easy or pretty, it's going to be very tough. Uh, I don't think there are any astrologers out there who can claim that they, they saw COVID coming. There's actually, um, there is one, one astrologer who I have heard of who, who wrote a prediction that was specifically about um, disease and pandemic. Um, and it's actually a really crazy story. I'll have to, to send you the details so that if 
people want to learn more about it, they can see it in the show notes, um, because the astrologer who predicted that actually uh, passed away a couple months after predicting it. So she never even saw that what she had, um, what she had written about for like an almanac that was being published in in a year. She never even saw that it was actually, um, it did come to pass. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's really crazy. I, this was a, um, the astrologer Chris Brennan put out a call, you know, did anybody see anything or read any predictions that really lined up? And so he kind of started collecting these stories and that was the one that he found that was uh, the closest. But to answer your question about um, sort of the the astrology of 2020 and, and, you know, was it happening on a collective scale or on a personal scale? Well, the main characterization of what was going on in 2020 was activity in the cardinal signs. So of the signs of the Zodiac, um, we sort of categorize them and, and put them in different uh, groups, a couple different ways. The first one that most people are familiar with is element. So fire, water, air, mm-hmm. earth. Um, another way that we group them is by uh, quality, or sometimes you'll hear this called modality. So cardinal signs, um, these are the signs that happen at the beginnings of the seasons. So Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. Um, so like I said, the beginning of the season, so, you know, Aries is the beginning of spring or fall if you're in the Southern hemisphere. Um, and these signs are really characterized by having a very initiatory energy, initiatory quality. They like to start things, make moves, you know, they don't wait They're They can be headstrong. They're very capable. Um, so that was where the majority of the intensity was happening in 2020. So um, on a collective scale, uh, you know, the outer planets and, um, you know, the transpersonal planets and like Jupiter and Saturn, uh, that affects us more as a community. Um, but all of us have, you know, these cardinal signs in our chart. So that explains sort of how we were feeling it on a more personal level. Um, the biggest thing that was going down in 2020 is that Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto were all in Capricorn. So Jupiter is the planet of our, you know, our philosophy, our vision, our expansion. Saturn, as we've talked about a little, is already, is the planet of, um, you know, structures, responsibility, order. Um, And Capricorn is the uh, cardinal earth sign. So we think about the, you know, the independent uh, energy of a cardinal sign going towards uh, structure, foundation, order, the establishment, the way things are. Um, you can already start to see sort of the parallels as to, mm-hmm. to what was getting shook up in, um, in 2020. Um, and uh, so to kind of talk a little bit about what was going on there, um, Saturn, super happy to be in Capricorn. Um, Saturn had been in Capricorn since December of 2017. Um, but, and this is a good uh, thing that we look at when we look at charts is that you know, having strength in a certain place in your chart is, is good, but having too much strength can almost be the same as having a weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, and Saturn is almost too strong in Capricorn. It's like having father time as the CEO of your life. It's, it's, you know, rules and restrictions, what you can and cannot do to the extreme. Um, Jupiter does not have a good time in Capricorn. Jupiter was getting pretty beat up in Capricorn all year. Um, normally, uh, Jupiter is vivacious and generous. Um, they like to host a big party. They like to toast to your health. You can kind of see um, what we were not not doing this year. Um, and then Pluto has been in Capricorn um, for many years now. Pluto is the slowest moving uh, planet that we track. Um, 
and the the main sort of keyword that people use for Pluto is transformation. Mm -hmm. um, and that covers both uh, sort of the negative and the positive side of things, right? So, um, you know, a transformation can be really elevating, it can move you forward, um, or it can really sort of uh, break things down in your life to, to a harder place. You think about like, the transformation of um, like the death of a parent. There can be, you know, positive aspects there coming into your own as an adult, perhaps you inherit money, but it is a negative thing as well in your life. It's mm -hmm. loss, it's grief, but it, it's those kinds of big transformations that we see um, when Pluto is transiting something in your natal chart. So all three of those heavy hitters were dancing in Capricorn all 2020. Um, and like I said, astrologers were, were looking at that and they knew that that was going to happen. Um, there, there's the Saturn-Pluto conjunction that happened at the end of January. Um, and then Jupiter and Pluto matched up um, several times during 2020. And uh, there's been some really interesting research done um, by the folks over at Archetypal Explorer, where they, they actually mapped the, the spikes in COVID cases and the proximity of Jupiter and Pluto to each other. And they really overlay. So you can see as this sort of like the planet of expansion and the planet of transformation get closer and closer in this intense sign. Um, there, there's some, some roadmap to some of the intensity that we experienced on a collective scale. Um, other stuff that was going on in cardinal signs, we had Mars in Aries for basically half the year. Mars went through a retrograde. So uh, it was in Aries for about six months. Um, which is, you know, just more uh, cardinal energy. Um, and we also have the tail end of the Cancer Capricorn eclipses. So basically um, the areas of your chart personally that have Aries, Cancer, Libra, or Capricorn were getting hammered this year. Um, and this is an important uh, point to mention as well. Just because you don't have any planets or points in those signs does not mean that they are not contained in your birth chart. Mm -hmm. um, so like I said, a, a birth chart, a real birth chart is a 360 degree wheel. Think of it as, you know, a pizza or a pie. Um, every, every sign gets a slice. Even if you don't have any planets or points in that sign, every um, sign gets an aspect of your life, um, an area of your journey um, that was affected by, by this cardinal energy. And so, this is where working, oh, sorry, go ahead. So quick question for you. So if like, let's say um, with one of the signs, you don't necessarily have like a planet, like, so for me with Taurus, um, like I don't have any planets in Taurus, mm -hmm. um, but let's say that Taurus was getting, or planets were in Taurus getting hit at some point this year that could affect whatever house is associated with Taurus for me. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And um, we'll, we're going to talk about Taurus specifically as well, because Taurus is a, is a major player in 2021. Um, but as the, as a planet, say, as a planet is journeying through that sign, um, they are journeying through that house of your life at the same time. Okay. So if there's, if you have personal planets in your chart in that sign, then they're stopping to talk with them, to interact with them. Um, and it's more, the impact is more felt, but regardless, they are still transiting through that house. Okay. Um, so this is, this is another important thing to think of. Uh, you know, we just had Saturn go into Aquarius. Um, you'll see a lot of people talking about that. For those of us who have natal Saturn in Aquarius, it, starting our, our Saturn return. Um, but even if, you know, this isn't your Saturn return, Saturn has just moved from one slice of your, of your pie 
to the next and it has you will feel its effect shifting from one area of your life to another um you know whether that's from as it crosses the boundary you know of your fifth house of creativity into your sixth house of work or maybe it's leaving the sixth house of work and it's entering the seventh house of relationships it is um an energy in the cosmos that is shifting its direction as regarding your actual life whether mm-hmm. or not you have planets there Okay, cool. So with like the houses, and I think I may have asked this during our reading, but I forgot and just want to clarify. Um, Like if my fifth house is in Aries, is everyone's fifth house in Aries or is it dependent on your birth chart? So that's It's dependent on your birth chart, yeah. So that's why it would be great for you to understand like what's (laughs) happening because it's going to be different for each person. So Saturn could be in your your 10th house this next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So the, the, the houses are the reason why we um, need to know your birthplace. That's one of the, mm. that's one of the reasons. Um, and uh, it would be, it would be different depending on, you know, where you were born in the time. Okay. Okay, cool. Awesome. That makes sense. So as Saturn is moving into Aquarius, that means that um, for the next three years, it would be wise for people to understand how Saturn, what house that Saturn is in currently for you. So you can understand and have gained perspective on what could be potentially, uh, rocked during this time. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So you would want to look in your chart for where, where, what slice of the pie does Aquarius rule? And that is where Mm -hmm. Saturn is going to be playing for the next, um, for the next two or so years. And if you want to, um, if you want to get a little bit of a hint, um, you can look back towards uh, June of this year um, because Saturn actually dipped into Aquarius just for a little bit in June before um, going, uh, going in retrograde and going backwards. So we got a little Mm -hmm. taste of it over, over the summer, um, but we're going to get the, the full, you know, the full dose basically this year, next year, and at the very beginning of 20, or sorry, I say this year, cause I'm already mentally in 2021. Yeah, same. Uh, <laughs> I also um, heard somebody suggest that we should just start calling it 21 because 2021 is like such a mouthful. And it takes a while yeah. for me to say I'm, I'm too lazy. With that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so it's interesting that it dipped into, um, Aquarius in June. Cause that's really when, I mean, June beginning of May, was when George Floyd was murdered. And then the protests really started happening uh, end of May into June and all of these different and thinking, looking at, I know you're going to explain like what Aquarius means and what Saturn and Aquarius means as we move into 21. Um, There I did look at, look at, I just did it. Nice. (laughs) Um, But it's interesting because it is that, that, that shifting of the collective um, and, and, um, and I think I'm just going to stop talking because you'll be able to explain it much better than me. <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah, the uh, the exact dates, let me see if I have them pulled up here. I don't know if I actually have them at my fingertips here. Um, George Floyd, uh, the murder of George Floyd was actually in late May and the protest started at the beginning of June. I know that those coincided very tightly with um, Saturn going into Aquarius. So Saturn dipped into Aquarius in June and so we got a little bit of a taste of that. Um, but Aquarius is going to be one of two major signs um, having all the action in 2021. So in 2020, 
2020, um, we were all about these cardinal signs. It was the cardinal signs that were getting, um, you know, very, very hammered basically. And I use that as a, you know, not like a drinking metaphor, but like an aggressive, like pounding. Yeah. Um, that was kind of what was happening there. Um, and uh, as we move into 21, we are shifting from cardinal signs into fixed signs. So the fixed signs we find at the heart of the season that they're in. Um, we have Leo is in the heart of summer. Uh, Aquarius is in, you know, the deepest part of winter. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, this is flipped. Um, but the signs are still fixed regardless of which season they fall in. So that's Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. Um, fixed signs are characterized by being really steady, constant, committed. Um, sometimes this can manifest as stubborn, unchanging, it's pretty, it's pretty explained there right in the name. They're fixed. They are where they are. They're immovable. Um, and so the conversation that is really going to be happening in 21 is between Aquarius and Taurus. So um, Aquarius is the fixed sign in the air element. So Aquarius um, is all about innovative perspectives, um, original wisdom, uh, Aquarius is focused on the human community, the freedom of the human community. Um, they are different. They are, they're focused on things that are different from conventionality, very iconoclastic, but it's still a fixed sign. So it's sort of um, innovative and iconoclastic, um, but in a fixed way, like we always have to do it differently. We always have to change mm -hmm. it up. Um, mm -hmm. And this is where, again, you see that sort of uh, that energy in, in astrology where it's like, you know, all of one thing is too much yeah. in any direction. And this is how we look at a birth chart is we want, we want everyone to sort of be pulling in equal directions um, to balance each other out. So there's a lot of Aquarius um, in the sky now that Saturn has moved into Aquarius last week. Um, Jupiter moved into Aquarius yesterday. Um, and so that is gonna be very, very apparent um, in the cosmic energy. So who's on team Aquarius next year? Jupiter, we talked about Jupiter already. Um, Jupiter is all about being generous and expansive. Um, Jupiter is much happier in Aquarius than in Capricorn, by the way. Um, still not its its most comfy home sign, but it is it is a better placement for, for Jupiter. Um, Saturn is also very happy in Aquarius. Saturn actually is the ruler of both Capricorn and Aquarius. So as Saturn moves from one sign to the other, it is a change in energy, but Saturn is still very happy um, ruling that sign. So the difference that I like to think of between Saturn and Capricorn and Saturn and Aquarius, uh, whereas in Capricorn, he's more like, you know, this is the way we've always done it. This is the foundation we've built. This is the, um, you know, this is the the structure and these are the boxes that we put people in and, and ideas. And if there's no room in these boxes, then it, it's gone. It goes in the trash. We're not dealing with that. Um, Saturn in Aquarius is more interested in what are the new rules? What mm -hmm. are the new systems? Um, and this is where, uh, you know, we were talking about structures earlier. Um, and this is an idea that came that comes from um, one of my teachers, Austin Kopic, which is that when Saturn moves from Capricorn to Aquarius, the structure in question goes from a pyramid, so like very strong on the bottom, lot on the bottom to support just a few on the top, to a network in Aquarius. Mm -hmm. So a network is um, much more spread out, much more equal, but not as stable as a pyramid. You know, you know, when we talk about um, like 
the pyramid as a structure that's one of the first things that you can build just by you know geometry whereas like a network is is more far-reaching it's more interconnected it's more um if you think sort of like lacy in its structure yeah. but it's not as solid as a pyramid so we're going to see kind of that shift as well um, as saturn moves into aquarius for the next two to three years um, the other sort of team, um, the two teams uh, that are that are going head to head in 21, uh, we talked about team Aquarius, the other team is Taurus. So Taurus is again a fixed sign, it's all about fixed signs. Um, Taurus is the fixed earth sign. So uh, Taurus is very grounded in physical reality. Um, when I say physical reality, I mean like the things we can experience with our senses, which is why we get this, um, Taurus has this reputation for really liking high quality goods, um, spending more money on food that tastes really good, comfort and luxury, because those those things have to do with what we can, we can feel and taste and sense and experience. Um, Taurus is also really connected to that sort of perfect magic that we find in the physical earth in the material earth. Um, so uh, who's on Team Taurus in 21? Um, Mars is going to be on Team Taurus. Um, Mars behaves very differently in Taurus than it did in Aries, which is where it spent most of 20. Um, it's not as combative, um, nowhere near as combative. Um, but uh, the idea of Mars and Taurus is kind of like the slow and steady wins the race. So Mars is a planet of action um, and the way that we move in the world and Taurus has that fixed earth quality. So the, the speed is much, much slower. Um, and then the, the biggest player in Taurus is Uranus. So Uranus is, um, we think of Uranus as like the wild card in the cosmos. Um, one, of the, one of the ways that we actually see this in, in the real astronomy is uh, you know, Uranus's orbit is perpendicular to the rest of the planets. Like Uranus's orbit, it, it's individual rotation, I should say, not the not the orbit around the sun, but the individual way that it rotates is like up and down instead of around like the rest mm -hmm. of the planets. Um, so Uranus is the wild card. It's erratic. It's unpredictable. It's rebellious. Um, Uranus in Taurus is kind of a weird place to weird place for it to be. Think of like a, you know, a rebellious wild card in this fixed steady earth sign. So it's already kind of like shaking things up in that sign anyway. So those are the two teams. If you think about team Aquarius and team Taurus, um, there are going to be conversations happening between those two signs all year long. Um, and in your personal uh, natal chart, you are going to feel the conversations between those two sides of your chart. Um, and the planets that you have in Aquarius or Taurus are going to be activated by these cosmic conversations that are going to be happening all through next year. Yeah. I mean, I think that initially when you started talking about like what Taurus represents and the like wild card energy, it was at first a little scary for me where I was like, oh, value or like the things like my, my, my home and my, my, my stuff and, and my money and my savings. Like what does this mean that I'm like some sort of like giant emergency is going to pop up or something like that, where like everything is going to be taken from me. And of course that's just my fear speaking. Um, but I think it was also kind of helpful because after we had that conversation, I was like, oh, okay, cool. So how can I start taking steps like little tiny steps for myself so that if there is some sort of wild card throughout the year I'm good like I have 
created systems and structures so that I don't get hit as hard where maybe a couple of years ago, it would have been like life altering for me, if that makes sense. So can you talk a little bit about, um, I guess that kind of like preparation of like, okay, knowing that Aquarius and Taurus are going to be talking, knowing what planets are on each team, so to speak, how can you prepare yourself through awareness to really be like grounded in, in, in your reality? Yeah, no, that's a great question because this is sort of why we, why it, it matters to look ahead at the astrological weather, um, but to also translate it specifically to what's going, what's going to be happening in your chart, where yeah. are these planets going to be moving through your chart. Um, it's, it's the difference between, you know, checking the weather for any random place on the globe and checking the weather for where you actually live and knowing, yeah. you know, what you're actually doing in your life. Are you trying to plant crops? Are you trying to, you know, water the earth? Um, so the, the best place to start is to locate Aquarius and Taurus in your chart and to see, first of all, who's hanging out there, what planets, um, what points in your chart are there. And if there's, if there's nobody hanging out there, that's fine too. Like in, in your chart specifically in Aquarius, we've got Saturn just holding it down there. Um, and Taurus doesn't have any planets in that slice of your pie. Um, but that doesn't mean again, that, you know, it's not going to be affected. So knowing that that conversation is going to be between, uh, you know, fixed air, that that wisdom, that um, sort of innovation, and fixed earth, that real grounded sensory experience. Um, how do those two uh, aspects of our life talk to each other? How do we innovate things that have to do with our physical experience of the world? Mm. How do we, um, you know, create systems and uh, and structures that benefit our human community with relationship to the earth? Um, I mean, I don't think it's it's a huge surprise. You know, we don't have that much time to turn it around here for for the health of the planet. And I think that a lot of people are looking at the conversation between Aquarius and Taurus for, um, you know, what can we do on an individual level to sort of rally the collective to help, um, you know, help with that mission. Um, the other thing to know about um, the conversation between Aquarius and Taurus, particularly when looking at your own chart, is to see what's going on with the other fixed signs. Um, because there is magic and medicine in the, uh, the other fixed signs for Aquarius and Taurus. So um, Leo in your chart is the medicine to Aquarius. So knowing where is Leo in your birth chart, what planets and points do you have in Leo? Are you a Leo rising? Do you have a Leo moon? Um, the That heart that we see in the sign of Leo really can balance out some of the um, the Aquarius coldness that we find. Mm -hmm. um, and just as Scorpio is the magic and the medicine to Taurus, um, the, the depth of feeling that Scorpio is interested in, that Scorpio values, balances out the um, sort of surface level sensation details that Taurus uh, works with. So being able to give strength to the Leo areas, Leo areas of your chart and the uh, Scorpio areas of your chart will help prepare you for, um, for that the intense activity that's going to be happening in Aquarius and, and Taurus and create a sense of personal balance and create a sense of, um, you know, tools and habits that you can lean on, that you can rely on when things start to get a little bit hairier in those, those very active parts of your chart. 
Um, and then, and knowing that like, okay, I've got my moon is in Leo. So Leo is going to be on my team for when things get a little bit intense in Aquarius and Taurus. I'm going to use that energy to tug, uh, tug some of the focus back from some of those conversations. Um, and we're going to start feeling that uh, pretty much right away. Like as soon as we get into, into 21, um, we have, uh, you know, as we start out the year, as we do every year with the sun going into Aquarius at the end of January, we're going to start to feel um, that sort of tug of war between Aquarius and Taurus. Uh, you know, the sun is going to join team Aquarius, Mercury is going to join team Aquarius. Um, and then we'll start to have what uh, the sort of the biggest signature of 21 um, is uh, what we call the Saturn Uranus squares. So just like people were talking about the Saturn Pluto conjunction in 2020, they're talking about the Saturn Uranus squares in 2021. Um, it's not as intense or dire as the Saturn Pluto conjunction. We're not talking about it with the same um, sort of trepidation energy, uh, but we are looking at it. We're looking to see, okay, what are these, um, what do these two major players in the sky have to say to each other in these in these signs? Um, and this only happens about every 20 years. Mm -hmm. So um, that's important to kind of know as well. The last time that Saturn and Uranus uh, were having this conversation, they were actually on different teams. They were switched. Um, so if we look back to see, you know, what was going on in our lives around um, 1999, 2000, for some people, weren't that old, but for some of us, we have some memories of what was going on mm -hmm. then um, and can be uh, a little bit more um, applicative to the to the collective as well. So we'll get three of those Saturn Uranus squares in 21, um, and then we won't get it again until 2043. So this is sort of a, a big checkpoint, a big cosmic checkpoint. You guys, I cannot believe that this is the very last episode of 2020. And, you know, as we move into 2021, I think that the greatest gift that we can give ourselves is to really consciously understand what was called upon us in 2020. And what I mean by that is just all of the challenges, the conflict, the experiences, the happy memories, the ugh, frustrating memories that happened in 2020. If we can give it some context and some understanding, we can move into 2021 sparkly, radiant, ready to go, ready to take everything that we learned and just make a bigger impact on our lives and the lives around us. And, you know, a big part of being able to create this context and this understanding without getting wrapped up in so much of the heavy emotion has been for me working with a licensed professional therapist. And you guys know I use BetterHelp and I've been using BetterHelp for almost three years now. It's been wild how long I've been using it, but that just goes to show how powerful this platform is and just how great all of their team and the entire roster really of licensed professional therapists are. So essentially, if you've never used BetterHelp before, it's an online platform that matches you with a licensed professional therapist based off of your needs. And so this is great because let's say you live somewhere where there's not a ton of resources available, or maybe like me when I was living in LA, the resources available were incredibly expensive. And so this was a great way for me to one, be able to be matched with somebody who was able to address my specific needs based off of the questionnaire that I filled out. And it's way more affordable than traditional offline counseling. So if you're like me and you want to take 2020 and wrap it up in a bow, I highly suggest using BetterHelp to 
create that start. So if you want 10% off of your first month, yes, 10% off of your first month, all you have to do is go to betterhelp.com forward slash alchemized to get that 10% off of your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, that's H-E-L-P.com forward slash alchemized. And speaking of incredible, incredible discounts, my friends over at Blue Blocks are doing a up to 40% off sale all the way until the 31st of December. So you still have a couple of days. And if you miss their Black Friday sale, I just gotta let you know that this sale is insane because you can also take an additional 15% off by using my code alchemized. So I'm gonna link it for you blueblocks.com forward slash alchemize. It's going to be in the show notes as well. I highly suggest either A, getting yourself a pair of blue light blocking glasses or B, getting yourself a pair of the sleep plus glasses. I have the crystal sleep plus glasses. They, one, they're super cute. Corey makes fun of me because I literally put them on the moment that the sun goes down, but they have helped so much with my sleep. And let's be real, we're changing the world together, guys. We need to get our beauty sleep. And the cool thing about the sleep plus glasses is that it really helps you to wind down at the end of the day so you're not taking in blue light after the sun goes down, which you really shouldn't be doing um, because it resets our circadian rhythm to think that it is solar noon, which obviously isn't helpful if it's 10 o'clock at night. Don't want it to be, don't want our brains to be thinking it's noon. So anyways, you're going to get up to 40% off their site plus an additional 15% off. So that's 55% off of certain products in their store and all you have to do is go to blueblocks.com forward slash alchemize that's b-l-u-b-l-o-x.com forward slash alchemize and again i'm going to link them in the show notes for you so when you say like the planets are in conversation and what they're like saying to each other can you break down kind of like an example of that and what that means so I have greater context than someone else. I'm like, I think I understand, but like, I think I'm a little in the gray area of like what it means for them or the signs to be in conversation and communication with each other. Sure. Yeah. So um, every astrologer will kind of uh, sort of choose the the language they like to use, how technical you want to get it or you want to be. Um, what we're talking about is uh, the angular relationships of the uh, planets to each other. So um, Saturn and Uranus are going to be making squares. Those That's the angle, a 90 degree angle. Um, and square a square is a type of aspect. So a type of angle. You hear about planets trining each other, squaring each other, opposing each other um basically it just it means like what kind of an what kind of a force are these planets exerting on each other are they tugging exactly in opposite directions are they cracking things open are they harmonizing really nicely um and depending on uh who the planet is what sign they're in and what kind of relationship they're forming to each other that's what sets the tone for the conversation um so we talk about saturn you know, the planet of uh, structure and order and time in the sign of Aquarius. How does he behave in Aquarius? He is having a, um, a more combative conversation with Uranus in Taurus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that conversation that we'll start to see is, okay, what are the, what is the wild card already mixing it up in fixed earth have to say to the, to the, you know, the Lord of structure and time, um, you know, Saturn in Aquarius is a, is in a stronger position than perhaps Uranus would be, but Uranus is, is that wild card. And we're not always sure like how it's going to manifest. Um, the other thing that can happen that we talk about is 
the current planets in the sky making angles to your birth chart. So that's what we say when like, oh, okay, you know, Saturn is transiting my sun or Mercury is transiting my moon. That means that the angle that uh, that particular planet in the sky right now is making to your birth chart is either a square, a trine, an opposition. Um, and that is the, the planet in the sky having that conversation with something in your personal natal chart. Um, so, you know, one of the things, I'll just use an example from my own life. Um, you know, we, we mentioned earlier that I've just kind of recently gone more public with this um, astro astrology business that is uh, something that's been very private to me for a really long time. Um, while I have had Saturn, the, you know, the planet of sort of structure and growing up and bossing up and, uh, you know, coming through with the performance review in my life, um, Saturn has been trining, which is a harmonious, um, positive, enhancing aspect to my rising sign, which is how I present in the world. Mm. Um, the, your rising sign is like how you are seen, how you show up, how other people see you. So I've had, you know, sort of the CEO coming through my life and being like, all right, let's go. Like yeah. the time is right. It's not harsh, but it's it's a good thing for you to step out and be seen right now. Um, so that's how we see the, the planets having a conversation with our own natal chart. What's your rising sign? Uh, I am a Virgo rising. Hmm. So your Virgo sun yeah, right? I am. Yeah. Virgo yeah. sun, Virgo rising. Um, I have a Sagittarius moon. Um, I have what's called a stellium in Virgo, actually. So a stellium is when you have uh, four or more points or planets in the same sign, um, which just gives you that like extra super duper dose of that sign. Yeah. So yeah, I have a, um, I'm, I'm kind of like a super Virgo in many ways. And, and that was part of the reason why, um, you know, even initially when I was really, I was really into the wheel of the year and I was believing in um, that particular cycle and I was following that cycle really closely. Astrology still didn't really interest me that much because I felt like every time I was like, oh, like, you know, this party looks cool. Like what's going on here? Like you guys are, what's going on with the stars? The thing that was immediately hit, the thing that I was immediately hit with was like, oh, Virgo, like you're anal, you're nitpicky, like you're bossy. Like, what's well, okay, I don't really want to hang out here. It's yeah. not that fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Um, yeah, it's always so interesting. And I think as I've like had more conversations with you and have grown to understand it more, um, it's just helped me to, I guess, activate different areas of my chart when necessary and uh, allows me to identify with all the different <laughs> signs that I hold inside of me and the, and and be able to utilize that based off of what I need. And I think that was, I forgot who I was talking to about that, but it, it was really just like empowering to kind of just take a step back and be like, wait a second, if I need to, I can call forth my Aries energy, or if I need to, I can, I can be my Scorpio, or if I need to kind of, like you were saying the medicine, I can bring my Leo moon in. I don't have to just be a Scorpio sun. I can actually be all of them. And I think that's where it kind of like is like breaking off the restrictions to allow you to be more freer and more, uh, more embodied for like all aspects of you. Yes, absolutely. I think that being able to call on the different parts of your chart um, to help you, uh, you know, activate either those qualities, if you need that cardinal energy, if you want to be, um, you know, more constant and consistent, activating the fixed parts of your chart. Um, 
you know, having, knowing who's on your team, basically knowing who's, you know, on your cosmic court that you can, you can call on um, helps so much. I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I regularly activate is the fire part of me, the part of me that's excited, that has desire, that, you know, is pulled and um, intrigued and, and follows that as opposed to, you know, all of the, the sort of mental processing that you can kind of get stuck in. So it's, mm -hmm. it's good to know um, and have a, have a personification for that energy too. That's what's really fantastic about astrology is that it taps us into those those myths and those stories that um, really speak to a deeper part of our psyche. Mm. Um, and this is where astrology relates to depth psychology as well, um, where we can, we can think about the personifications of, you know, Venus and Leo or, uh, you know, Mars and Scorpio and, and think about that as a, as an energy that we can really connect with, um, on a deeply personal level. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I liked when we were having a conversation a couple weeks ago about how looking at 2021 is this, um, kind of like individual, ascension that is going to further impact the collective because that's definitely something like a theme that's been coming up for me quite a bit is like the one the things that I've been interested in diving into um as far as like biblical studies I told you earlier the galactic federation and lots of lots of deeper deeper things I've been going down lots of rabbit holes lately and um when you shared with me, like this year, as we, as it like arises, people are really going to be looking for and craving that deeper connection and that individual relationship. Um, it helped me to like, kind of ground in like, ah, okay. Like the desires that I have right now individually. And then as far as like, even my business and like what I want to create in my business, all of those things, like it's literally written in the stars. Like this morning in my, in my workshop, I was telling people, I'm like the big dreams that you have to like make an impact, to make a difference, to be innovative, to be creative. Like it is like, that is your nature that is written in the stars. You aligning with that is you aligning with like your nature. Um, and I just think that it's really cool to look at it that way because it kind of gives us a, I think, it gives us a permission slip to like want the things that we want and to make the impact that we want to make. Yeah. Permission was the the word I was thinking of as, as you were sharing that was that, you know, it's nothing is more exciting than showing a client in their birth chart where the permission is to be or do or act the way that they have always wanted to. Um, and in that way, the birth chart really becomes a very beautiful mirror of what's going on inside. Um, and another example of how, you know, they say as above, so below is as in the micro, as is the macro, you get to be this uh, unique aspect of a greater cosmic story, but know that you are supported by all these, um, you know, Im unimaginable forces that came into coalesce right at the moment of your birth. Um, and it's a, it's a real beautiful moment of, um, of feeling really special and significant, but also feeling very humbled. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what are you like, what are let's Lily's forecast? What is, what is coming up in, in 2021 that you're excited for that we can all mark our calendars and get excited for as well? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in addition to, you know, just 
learning what's going on in the different in your Taurus, the Taurus slice of your pie, the Aquarius slice of your pie, learning about your Leo magic and your Scorpio magic, that's going to help you navigate some of the um, the more intense parts of 21. Uh, but it's definitely going to be an improvement on 20. I don't want anyone to think that we're like signing up for a whole nother year of um, of what we went through this year. Um, and some of the things that I'm most excited about for for next year. Um, so uh, Jupiter right now is in Aquarius. Um, Jupiter takes about a year to go through each sign, um, but it does move quite quickly. And the only reason it takes a year is because it, it goes through a retrograde period um, every year. So we're going to get a taste of 2022 when Jupiter moves into Pisces. Um, this is a super delicious energy. Um, we're going to get a taste of this from about mid-May through the end of July. Um, Jupiter is extremely happy to be in Pisces. Uh, gets to be its full, generous, bountiful self in all the fields of creativity, of um, empathy, of compassion. Um, so that's going to be a really uh, wonderful, nourishing energy. I can, I'm really hoping and I'm really holding out a good thought for, for mid-May through the end of July for being able to finally get together with some loved ones to be able to celebrate some of these uh, backdated weddings that <laughs> we've yeah. been putting on hold. Um, and just really kind of be in be in community and, and compassionate community together during that period. So that's going to be a really wonderful, um, a really wonderful period uh, to kind of help us continue to look forward to continue to, uh, you know, hope out for 2022 and the years that are coming afterwards. Um, and that's also going to be helpful because that's also around the time where some of those intense Saturn Uranus conversations are going to be happening. So Jupiter's there to like, you know, fill your wine glass up and, and give you a big hug and give you a lot of good luck um, during that time. Um, the other thing that I'm, I'm very excited about for 21 is uh, we're just generally going to have a lot less retrograde action in 21. Um, so we still have our, our regular three Mercury retrogrades a year. Um, that, that doesn't change. Um, but uh, we're not going to have a Venus retrograde and we're not going to have a Mars retrograde. So this is really going to contribute to um, a more pronounced feeling of forward momentum. We're not going to mm. feel as like stalled out in the things that uh, the things that we want and desire and value. So that's Venus, right? Yeah. And as well as just our, our action, our forward momentum um, is not going to be as, as hampered. Um, Mars retrograde, which is what we did, we actually did both this year. We had a Venus retrograde and a Mars retrograde. Um, the Mars retrograde can be really, really tough because it's like, we want to go for things and our, our natural instinct is to you know, project our energy out to project our energy forward. And Mars basically, Mars retrograde basically just yanks on the reins. Um, the day Mars went into retrograde in 2020, if, uh, if you guys remember, if any of you were living in, in California, that was the day that the sun just didn't rise in the Bay Area. And it was just like red, red sky. That was the yeah. day that Mars went, <laughs> Mars went retrograde. Um, and so we're not going to have any of that happening this year. We're going to be able to just kind of smoothly move forward with the, with a much, um, a much less hampered and less fettered energy. The other thing that I'm very excited for is the new eclipse series that we recently just started. So our eclipses just moved into a new set of signs. Um, we had uh, a little experience of that this December. Um, so the eclipses in 21 are going to be taking place in the signs of Sagittarius and Gemini. I mean, I haven't really talked much about mutable signs um, today because they're not getting as much attention. Um, they didn't get as much attention this year and they're not going to get as much attention next year. Um, but the mutable signs, 
um, Pisces, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Gemini, they are going to get touched by the Eclipse series. Um, so this is a continuation of the story that we started uh, at the end of 2020, um, and is a story about knowledge, about conversation and communication. It's a story about how how and what are we learning, the adventure of learning, mm. um, and that, you know, deciding like, what are we going off and learning on our own? What are we learning in community with others? Um, and this is a really exciting theme for me because I feel like it has a lot to do with um, understanding and accepting the knowledge that we already have within ourselves, um, which is a concept uh, called gnosis, which is um, this, this inner knowing um, of, of deep, uh, deep truth, deep spiritual truth, essentially. Um, and one of the things that you and I have talked a lot about, about as we look into 2020, 2021, which is hard, <laughs> um, is, uh, you know, the idea of a personal spiritual doctrine, yeah. of a personal spiritual code that is supported and influenced by, by many traditions, but is ultimately um, crafted from within and doesn't need um, translation. So that, that to me is very much related to Gnostic concepts. It's very much related to these eclipses in Sagittarius and Gemini. Um, you know, the question is, what is the next adventure of our awareness that we're going to be seeking out? Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, so the North node in Gemini, which is the, our directional, um, like our next directional lesson to be learning through these eclipses that harmonizes really beautifully with, um, all the action in Aquarius as well. So I think that there's going to be some very, uh, very sort of startling personal revelations, mm -hmm. um, as far as those questions, as we go through the, the eclipse series. Um, and those are the things I'm really looking forward to the most. Cool. I'm excited too. I'm ready for Jupiter. Every time you say Jupiter, I think of the, that, uh, little, that little rhyme, that little sing song. Boy, where... Boys go to Jupiter. Trying <laughs> to get more stupider. Oh man. Uh, um, thank you so much for all of this. This is so cool. And I feel like you've just given us so much information to study and dive in deeper. And I know that I mean, if you're listening to this and you don't want a reading, that's crazy because this is just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so helpful to have, like truly. And I think that this was our, honestly, like, yes, we've been friends for years and years, but like, that was the first reading that like actually was engaging and insightful and didn't feel like someone was just like reading my chart and saying like, this is what this planet is. And this is what this planet is. And granted, you know, of course I have like a very small understanding. Um, and I know that your readings are a lot different than the, the, um, the normal astrologer. And so outside of your workshop, which I'd love for you to share a little bit about, um, you also offer one-on-one -on -one reading. So can you just share a little bit about how people can work with you in the upcoming year? Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm I'm really glad to hear that the reading that we had and the conversation we had was impactful for you because the way that I do my astrology sessions are um, they're very tailored and bespoke to your interest level and your experience level. And what we do is um, we use your natal chart as our our sort of teaching ground um, to explore both the study of astrology and how it can bring ourselves into more balance. Um, so we look at the chart as a geometric shape and we, we look and see where, where is their strength, um, where, what requires balance, what requires activation. The idea is to combine both practical magic and um, knowledge of these cosmic cycles to be able to 
you know, look really um, carefully at your life's narrative to sort of remember your place in the cosmic story. And I think we really hit on it earlier when we were talking about permission to know that you have this, this cosmic team and this cosmic sense of permission to go after your desires, to dive deep into what you're interested in. Um, so, you know, I call them astrology sessions. Um, they are combinations of natal readings and astrology lessons, basically. And, and we do, we tailor them to what you're interested in and we don't, um, so that we don't go over things that you already know really well. But the other thing is that, um, you know, my whole sort of uh, motto here is there are no stupid questions. And I think that astrology is a strange combination of being incredibly detailed, but also very much in pop culture. So everybody mm -hmm. kind of knows a little bit, um, but I, I have yet to have a client session where I wasn't asked, this might seem like a stupid question, but there literally are no stupid questions. And so I really um, create these readings as a, a way to be sort of an open book for you and and your interest level and we can take them you know in the direction that you most desire so you feel like you have a deeper understanding of astrology and a deeper understanding of your natal chart um and the webinar that um is going to be coming up this is going to be on sunday january 3rd um so the signature energy of 21 is going to kickstart right away so um there are examples of what's going on in uh, 21, kind of on the micro level in January right away. Um, Mercury goes into Aquarius and starts marching out and getting into these conversations, these Aquarius Taurus conversations. So what we're gonna do is we're going to kind of um, pick apart the astrology of January, um, see how that reflects the, the larger cosmic conversations. And most importantly, we're gonna connect it to your natal chart and mm. look at some of those places, um, you know, what slice of the pie is it going to be happening for you? Um, where can you look and see uh, what your personal magic, um, what kind of tools in your toolbox you have to help you navigate, not just uh, the first month of 21, but the duration of the year. Mm, cool. I'm excited for that. I'm really excited for that. Um, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit right now, but if you were to, you said like the theme or maybe the signature energy for the year, I think, is that what you said? If you were to choose a single word to represent 21 do you have one off the top of your head i think well the word that i like and this isn't my my personal 21 year 21 word because i don't ever come with up with that until like i don't know 11 59 um but i think that the year like astrologically is perspective mm. um or like vantage point maybe because i feel like we're we're coming to this place where we're able to look we're at a high point and we're able to look down and see below us, like what is going on here? Like what systems have we created? What systems need to be broken apart and created into something new? What kind of networks are we building? Um, you know, what, what are we going to, to use this vision and this perspective of to move forward? We've had mm -hmm. a hell of a year and, you know, what are we going to do moving forward to help help propel us into the future and what are we going to do to make sure that the the lessons that we learned and you know the experiences that we went through don't just get sort of filed away and shuffled into the past what can we what can we do to make sure that we are we are learning from them and we're using those lessons to benefit us all mm, I like that I actually I did my vision board yesterday and something that I cut out said view from view view from the top and so when you're sharing yeah that, like, ah, all right yeah that makes sense 
Cool. Amazing. Yeah, okay. that's, that's Aquarius's whole thing. So we're yeah. going to, we're going to feel it for sure. Awesome. Very cool. Amazing. Well, Lil, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Can you just share for everyone and we're going to link everything in the show notes. Will you just share for everyone where we can find you, how we can book a session with you? Yes, absolutely. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Liliana N. Cantata. Um, that's E-N-C-A-N-T-A-N-D-A. Um, and the website is liliana-ncantata.com. Awesome. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was the best.